when listening to a podcast, sometimes some of the issues are really relevant to you and sometimes they're not. In this episode, Nick Ede really wanted to raise awareness of stroke. And of course, I was interested, but had no real personal connection to it. It's funny how things can happen. Two weeks later, my dad was rushed to hospital and had had a stroke. Sat by his bedside in A&E for eight hours, typical Holly's just checking on her laptop and editing a podcast with Nick. He'd been diagnosed with a bleed on the stomach, but me and my sister were convinced that something wasn't right. We started chatting amongst ourselves and I remembered some of the words Nick had said. And he had indeed had a stroke. He's going to be okay, he's doing amazing. But it made me realize how important it is to raise these issues of things that maybe don't affect us yet, but might. So this episode is a big thank you to Nick for all the work he does around stroke and a big thank you to my dad for his determination, making me even more determined every day. Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of Anything Is Possible. Um, this might be our bougiest podcast to date. We are sat in the Mayfair townhouse. I have a glass of champagne. We have Beverly the... Cavapouchon. Cavapouchon. And we have the lovely Nick Ede with me. Um, I don't really know where to start in describing what Nick does. And I'll say a few things and then he might add to it. But I've got philanthropist, events organiser, PR guru, TV presenter, journalist. Have I missed anything off, Nick? You've not. <laughs> probably. <laughs> but uh, you've not missed anything off. <laughs> um, so you are probably the biggest example of a portfolio career. And something that we talk about in Anything Is Possible is changing your career at any age. Um, you know, having a side hustle, building your own business. So potentially, can you just kind of like talk us through your portfolio of what you do, you know, top level, and then we'll go into each one? Yeah, I mean, f- first of all, I have a, a PR agency, yeah. and that PR agency looks after lots of different charities and social good uh, enterprises, but also brands as well. So we do everything from uh, PRing pizza restaurants through to holiday destinations and Ibiza, etc. And then my, so my other hustle is I've worked on television now for, again, 20 years, yeah. been head judge and project catwalk been in america doing the shows i'm doing a show at the moment i'm on good morning britain i was on lorraine kelly for five years and that though is a, i look at it as a side hustle <laughs> it's not my career and then i'm a big charity campaigner i've yeah. done that for a long time uh, uh, for stroke yeah but i also do it for other charities too and i'm just very very passionate and to your point about uh, sort of time management stuff like that and side hustling i look at it all as a whole and yeah. everything supports each other it's not like I'm you know I'm not doing something that's completely different different. I'm doing things which hopefully will actually benefit each other yeah so let's let's start at the beginning in terms of I know your story of how you wanted to make awareness of strokes but can you tell the audience about that and how that yeah so when I was 23 my mum had a stroke Mm. and I had no idea what a stroke Mm -hmm. was so it's very you know it's devastating and I felt that you know, we've been educated at school on various different things, whether it's HIV, whether it's cancer, but nobody had ever told us anything about uh, stroke awareness. And so when that happened to me, I literally had no idea. And so I spent sort of a year or so kind of really in a bad, very dark place with yeah. my family, Went left London, came to 
lived back in Scotland. Yeah. You can tell by my really strong accent. <laughs> um, and then I literally was like, I want to do something. So I went and saw this man at the Stroke Association, which yeah. was the big charity at the time, yeah. and said, can I do something? And they kind of were like, oh, don't know what to do with you. I hadn't really developed myself. I'd been at drama college. I didn't really know who I was. Yeah. And I basically decided to put on a party. And it was because I didn't want to dress up as a banana and do a fun run. That's not me. <laughs> but I could, you know, I had lots of friends who I yeah. knew would come if I put something on. Yeah. So I went and saw this guy who's actually a good friend now. He's got an events company yeah. called Terry Hart. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, he runs, it's called My Beautiful City. They're yeah. very cool. They do lots of fashion events. And he was running this part, this bar called Denim, yeah. uh, which was in St. Martin's Lane. Yeah. And I literally knocked on their door and said, look, if I put on an event would you give me some free drink and yeah. would let me have this date yeah. and they said yes so I was like oh my god this is really <laughs> exciting and then my neighbour at the time all round the corner was Patsy Palmer love her and I literally door stopped her yeah. and said you've got to come and she was like actually yeah I'll come and did Don't you know, know her or? didn't know her at all I literally was just like you know if I'm going to do this I'm going to go big or go home yeah. I thought I'm just going to go big yeah. and then I'd seen that Jamie Oliver's uh, family members had had a stroke and so yeah. had his wives yeah. so I got in touch with him and invited them and he was the naked chef at the time he yeah. wasn't a big star as yeah. he is now and he said yeah I'll come and so by the end of this sort of putting this event together yeah. I then faxed I mean this is how long this is ago <laughs> I faxed a guy called Mark Moody who was the yeah. editor of OK Magazine yeah. he did all the uh, social pages yeah. and asked him to cover it and yeah. I was like oh my god he faxed me back saying and yes I'll cover it no or? didn't know wow. anybody didn't know a single person I just did it because I was passionate and yeah. there was nothing stopping me because I wanted to make a difference and then this event happened and we raised money we yeah. raised awareness everybody from Sid Owen who played yeah, Ricky and Patsy yeah, and yeah. Barbara Windsor <gasps> you know all of them really? came and it suddenly made me go oh okay so I can do this yeah, it's yeah. not what I thought I would be doing yeah. I wanted to be an actor but actually yeah. this could be something that I could carry on doing and yeah. so that kind of gave me my first sort of real taste of, of putting on an event so at the time I was working at lastminute.com yeah. I set up the entertainment department of it yeah. when it was you know a fledgling internet site and then really? when you know I was there and there was 45 people and when I left there was like 500 people wow. but you know I spoke to Martha and Brent who everybody knows and so said to them would you sort of sponsor this event yeah. which will leverage your brand but also be great for sort of corporate social responsibility yeah. which was something that people never spoke about in yeah. those days yeah, yeah. and I was doing it from a really early sort of start and then I began, began to get more passionate about it and, and sort of integrated everything I did with something that was a bit altruistic. Because that's interesting because I think, you know, we all, I mean, particularly women, we want to ask for a favour or want to ask for somebody to help and we feel cheeky or, you know, or imposter syndrome, which we're going to talk about. Um, what kind of advice would you give to someone that, like, wants to ask that question it's like on the tip of their tongue and they feel like oh I don't want to look stupid or I don't want to know how did you break through that I think it's just asking it really yeah. is having the confidence to ask and also you're only going to get a yes or a no yeah that's it you yeah know, and you, you're prepared for it it's not like you're not going to yeah. be prepared for, for a no yeah and if you get that knockback then you just go somewhere else that door is closed yeah but to be honest if you've got something that's passionate, you're passionate about. Yeah. And if you're doing it in a really sort of altruistic way and you're doing it for, not for your own gain, yeah. you're doing it for the gain of the greater yeah. good, then people normally will actually say, yeah, you yeah. know, I will help you. Or if I can't help you, I'll do this or I'll donate that. Or yeah. actually, yes, but I can't attend, I'll give you X. And people are generally pretty 
aware and pretty happy to do that. I do think, though, that if it's somebody that you meet that you know they're very passionate about one thing and that's really what they concentrate on, there's no point asking them to do something for you when you know that's not really their bag. And it'd be stupid to do that. Yeah. So with with strokes, you have raised a lot of awareness um, and also across sort of age groups that it's not, you know, it doesn't just affect the elderly. And I think one thing I've heard you say before is we have to understand that it's damage to the brain. Mm. It's not just... Oh, a stroke, and you know, you lose a side of yeah. What, yeah. Do you want to just explain a bit more like that? Because I think it's a, well, yeah. Fun. I mean, a, you listen, a stroke is. I think the word stroke, as as you've just yeah. highlighted, may be the wrong word. Yeah. And I think now people are using the word brain injury because that actually highlights it in a much more specific way. You know, if you say to somebody, "I've got injury," they go, "Okay," and if it's your brain, they'll know that that's going to affect you yeah. in lots of different ways. And I think from an early age, meeting people who've actually had stroke, yeah, it suddenly made me realise actually how do we create awareness and yeah. so that's why I set up Star for Stroke yeah. which yeah. is my foundation tell everyone about that <laughs> uh, well Star for Stroke I've, I've always done collaborations so f- I, I was doing it for the Stroke Association the first one I did was with this uh, fashion company called Little Mistress yeah. which is a oh, well known yeah. you probably yeah, know yeah, them yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they are a fast fashion brand and we created this lovely black dress rather than a little black dress a lovely yeah. black dress because for me it's all about being inclusive so it doesn't matter what size or what shape yeah. you are it's about feeling and looking good yeah And I wanted to use fashion as a conduit because obviously I'd done Project Catwalk. Yeah. I knew that fashion is a really great way of communicating different things. And if you see with, you know, fashion targets breast cancer, if you see Naomi Campbell doing her stuff, it works really well. And I thought, well, if I create dresses or T-shirts or have swing tags with information about stroke and they're really stylish product people will buy them and a byproduct of that will be that they go, oh my God, that's for stroke. Um, your nan had that or your brother had that or somebody had it and and you're doing you're raising awareness but also you're feeling good and looking good you know for me these t-shirts have to be something that you can wear every day rather than a lot of charity t-shirts with literally for one day yeah you know whether you you look at a pudsy which is for children in need you'll kind of only wear that once whereas for me i wanted to create really strong slogan t-shirts at the time and i got lots of stars to help me out i got Meghan markle before she was even well before she is who she is now she did it well i worked with her at the global gift gala i asked her to host one for me i got uh, um uh, Kelly Rowland's doing Kelly Osborne I had Ashley Roberts Mel B did yeah. one for me yeah. Sarah Jane Crawford wow. loads and loads of different people yeah. did them for me and they were called famous last words because the idea was that when you have a stroke wow. some people have a thing called aphasia which is where they can't articulate yeah. So they, yeah. and actually it's what Bruce Willis has yeah. uh, and that's why he stopped yeah. acting um, and so I felt like what would their famous last words be before they might potentially have a stroke yeah. and it creates a conversation and people wanted to get involved and we, we partnered with Boohoo for four years yeah. which was amazing and everybody came to launches from Brooklyn Beckham through to Victoria Beckham helped out yeah. so we've done it a lot and it's really a case of using celebrity yeah. to leverage something that's doing good yeah. but you know the journey with stroke especially yeah. is literally still its infancy yeah. you know it frustrates me uh, when I see people devote, de- you know, devoting yeah. hours of TV time yeah. to different things, when yeah. stroke is the first of all the biggest cause of disability in the world, wow. and the third biggest biggest cause of death in the world. But like you've and I have talked about with yeah. your own personal relationship yeah. with stroke, 
is that people forget that it creates a huge mental health issue yeah. post-stroke. Yeah. The rehabilitation isn't just what the NHS give, which is around about eight weeks. You know, this is for the yeah. rest of someone's life. Yeah. There's the fear of, of having it again. There's everything from sexual health yeah. through to mental health, really? through to relationships that people forget, you know. Yeah. There's, a, there's a fear that if you maybe intimate with someone yeah. you might have a stroke during that wow. you know there is so many things that people don't talk about yeah. and so I'm trying to sort of normalize it and yeah. make it into something which is talked about and I'm doing that hopefully with some really great people Alex Murphy from Dancing on yeah, Ice yeah. she had a stroke on the ice what? yeah and she still got up and she does you know she's on television and she's an influencer now and she's still only 32 so you know wow. it's interesting people like Amelia Clark who I've yeah. talked about from Game of Thrones she had a stroke while she was actually doing Game of Thrones Um, and Jessie J had a stroke Uh, so there's a lot more people than we think and obviously people like Luke Perry uh, from 90210 and from Riverdale who passed away from one so you know hopefully I'm banging the drum a bit it's normalising isn't it and I've talked to you about a friend and I've actually asked him to um, give me some context so I've got a friend who's 44 Jake and he in the last couple of months has had a stroke it came from absolutely nowhere and I think it's really important to build this awareness because he said he was the healthiest he'd ever been you know going to the gym PT um, so I'm just going to read his little story and I'm sure it'll resonate from people that you've you've spoke to so totally normally day, normal day got up at 5.20 went to the gym worked um, he went to the bathroom and felt a strange electric sensation through his body and dropped his phone he went to pick it up couldn't use his left hand and looked in the mirror and said it looked like the left side of his face was melting um and what happened then was they called for an ambulance and he said he knew it was a stroke because he'd watched all the adverts on the tv so that's great for that awareness he was waiting an hour and 15 minutes for an ambulance thinking he was going to die so the ptsd off the back of that Mm. the flashbacks he's getting but I said, so his is unknown, the cause at the moment. It could, he's having heart tests at the moment. But lasting effects, which is what you are really keen to make awareness from. So minor left side weakness, but the things that are worse are hidden. Short term memory is just very poor. Struggle with numbers, restless leg syndrome, phantom pain in the left hand side, struggle to concentrate, get frustrated, mentally slower, forget all my words, and I'm knackered. and also get massive massive sensory overload in busy places but the hardest one of all is i don't feel like the same person anymore i feel like i've lost some of myself Mm. for anybody of any age who's had a stroke the biggest fear is that they're going to have another one and it's going to be worse than one before and that's a real shame yeah yeah so tell us how you've you've done this event for the stroke association and you've talked about you worked in pr for 25 years how did you come to set up your own business and how did you like your niche is that you work with brands that do good Mm. and how did all that come about because there'll be a lot of people wanting to set up on their own listening to be honest it was really a case of i had been kind of i'd worked when, when i got to 30 i was literally kind of just like I want to I wanted to be on television yeah because I wanted to communicate more and it used to really frustrate me that I couldn't get as many people to support my charity work so Mm. I basically made a conscious decision to get on TV wow I didn't know that was one of the reasons uh, yeah and it was literally my, my biggest drive was to do that because I was so frustrated that I was I could do all this stuff, but I just wasn't getting to where I wanted to be. Yeah. So I went and uh, became a runner for a, a company called Shine, which is a big yeah. television company yeah. owned by Liz Murdoch. You know, yeah. It was huge. 
And I was literally making tea for people who were half my age. And it was soul destroying. Yeah. But also I was learning stuff, meeting yeah. every celebrity you can ever think of yeah. who were coming in, having a meeting to yeah. do television. And I was helping out with a bit of um, creating new show ideas yeah. and sort of auditioning people. And I became like a bit of a filter yeah. for any of the talent that came through. I would say, oh, they're brilliant or they're not. And it was yeah. a bit like, okay, yeah. quite, quite fun. Yeah. And then... I'd been there for about six months and really was kind of, I'd split up with my partner. Yeah. I'd given up my career, very good career. Yeah. And I thought, right, what am I going to do? And I um, called my dad up and I was like, I think I've really messed up. I might have to move home. <laughs> I had no money, you know, like literally yeah. it got bad. Yeah. Because you're getting paid as a, as a runner, it's nothing. And living and, in London And living as in well. London <laughs> and living the life I'd lived yeah, the party. before as, yeah. you know, living a great life. Yeah. So anyway, I... It was Christmas, it was day before Christmas Eve. I was putting my boxes together. The big clap in the uh, in the church where, where the business was. And I was like, oh my God, what's happened? They go, we just had this show commission called the Russell Grant Show. And Russell Grant, if you don't know, um, is a big, very famous astrologer. Yeah. Um, and he had a daily chat show on yeah. Sky One, which got yeah. commissioned. And they called me up to Liz's room and I was like, oh, I'm just going now. I was like, congratulations. They went, no, 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 wait here. And I'm like, what? They went we'd like you to be his co-host. So I literally went from make, giving people Diet Cokes yeah. to becoming, within two weeks later, uh, uh, after Christmas, a co-host on a daily show on Sky One in front of, you know, viewers. I was called Starstruck Nick. I then went and interviewed, <laughs> you know, interviewed all yeah. the celebs on the red carpet. Yeah. I went to all the events. I was in, I asked to go everywhere from L Style Awards to everything. So it wow. literally changed my life yeah. you know I, I I was my dream had come true and it was amazing so I did that for six months and then I realized very quickly that um that television unless you're in the top one percent yeah it's not going to make you loads of money yeah you yeah. literally you know you're on a show yeah but you'll be getting paid 200 pounds a day right you know it, yeah. and then with tax and then having to look good yeah. it's really nothing yeah and in those days it wasn't influencer i mean i yeah. wish it happened or yeah. the internet was then because yeah. then you could be monetizing everything you do mm -hmm. it's very different nowadays whereas in those days it was difficult you know it was mm -hmm. very hard so i basically was um, this is another crazy story. So Jennifer Ellison <laughs> yes. uh, had seen me uh, on the show and she'd be one of our guests. Yeah. She was on a show called Hell's Kitchen, which yeah. was with Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. And it was her 21st birthday party. Yeah. And I got a phone call from her to say, I saw you on the show. I met you. I love you. Would you organise my 21st birthday and party And did she knew you'd done events? No, so she I'm... knew nothing. That's... She knew no idea. So I basically went to... OK Magazine, in those days they paid lots of money. Yeah. They gave me 80 grand. And I put on, I spoke to Lisa Vanderpump. Yeah. She owned Jewel, which yeah. is an amazing place in St. Martin's Lane. And I put on this event where Gordon Ramsay made the cake. Uh, you know, Bross came to it. We had no. all the cast from the show, uh, from Hell's Kitchen. It was the most extravagant, amazing, most glamorous event. It was literally everywhere. Yeah. It went everywhere. She was going to go and be Roxy in Chicago the following month. Yeah. So it was just this amazing kind of thing. And I just did that literally from scratch. And I suddenly went, oh my God, this is could be a I business. I love it, yeah. And I yeah. love it. And I should monetize this. And then 
Patsy Palmer, who I'd known yeah. from years ago, yeah. she was launching a fake tan brand. And I said to her, can I do the launch? And she was like, yeah, of course you can. So suddenly I was doing this launch and that's why I set up, it was called um, Eden Lifestyle at the time. Yeah. And I uh, set it up with a friend of mine called Another Nick, who yeah. we don't work together anymore, yeah. but you know, we had a great working relationship yeah. for about 15 years. Oh. He had been, already had his PR agency. Yeah. So he understood that side of it and yeah. the kind of, the business side because I'm not a businessman yeah. that's never been something I'm a creative yeah. I'm a doer yeah. so I needed somebody who could kind of show me the ropes of yeah. actually you've got to make money and you can't yeah. spend all of it on yeah. going to fabulous places yeah. Yeah. Uh, or entertaining everybody still yeah. have that problem <laughs> I do as well uh, that's why we've got a champagne here <laughs> can we have a little sip yeah. okay absolutely I'm thinking they're going uh, okay guys <laughs> is this just a prop I know. so it really was that's how it all went together so suddenly I was organising events and then getting on these clients like Patsy and doing you know then I had to obviously employ someone to kind of do the work and got some juniors to really help me and they're really I mean the girl uh, Cassie who was my first ever person to work for me she's now doing my personal PR you know 20 years later which is amazing she just just took her on but but I um, was also the television career was going in, in tandem. It was perfect. So yeah. then I got Lorraine Kelly show and I was doing all of the lifestyle stuff on yeah. that. So every, every Friday I would be showing Lorraine what to get for Christmas or what to get for Father's Day. But it was really good as well for the business. Of course. Because people would say, you know, I've always said this and this is not in any way sexist yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, but the money, the money man might be the husband. Yeah. But when he tells his wife, oh, the guy that's doing the PR is on Lorraine Kelly's show or yeah. he's this, they love it. They're yeah. like, of course. And, yeah. and that's how we, we launched the business. It was yeah. about being friendly, being open, having that touch of celebrity, yeah. which is exciting. Yeah. And, and, and building it like that. And, and since then, we've carried on and it still d- does as well as it did then. So our other, what well, kind of weird connection, I guess, was that um, I saw that you work with the Global Gift, yes, yes. Uh, Gift Day Foundation. And um, I had been following Eva Longoria for a long time, as you know. Um, for those of you who don't know, well, I think most people do, but she was in Desperate Housewives, Hollywood actress. But I actually followed her because, as, as we've discussed, her work ethic mm. and the way that she talks about her business and helping people, I just find it totally inspiring. So there's quite a funny story of how that collaboration came, yes. you know, isn't there? So basically, I was I had my agency and I was living in East London, which I've lived in for yeah. all my life, apart from now where I live in Rye. But... Um, I had been on Project Catwalk yeah. and I suddenly get this call from the organisers of this event called the Noble Gift Gala, which yeah. is going to be at the Dorchester. And they said to me, this guy Simon phoned me up and said, hey Nick, hope you're okay. Listen, the organisers have had their dresses left in customs, so they haven't got any clothing to wear. They're absolutely desperate. Would you be able to help? Because they know that you've done Project Catwalk yeah. and you know all the right designers. Yeah. And I'm going, oh my God, this is a Saturday. Yeah. Everything's closed. Nobody's yeah. around. All the PRs are at home yeah. uh, or, or nursing a hangover. Yeah. So I'm not going to be able to help. So I, I called around every single person I knew. Yeah. I got quite a few dresses and I got them sent uh, to um, the Dorchester. Yeah. Now, 
the sizing was kind of crazy for me as well yeah. because everyone was like, you know, there's a size six, a size eight, yeah. size 10, you know, three women. I yeah. was like, okay. And, I, you know, again, I hadn't really researched anything. I was like, I'll just do it, you know. Someone what made to... you want to do it? Is it kind of like you're a giver? So if you yeah, I'm a get, giver. You just, I was like, well, yeah. you know what? You've asked me if I can yeah. do it. Yeah. And of course, if I can. And they hadn't told me it was Eva Longoria yeah. at the time. And so it was it was just, you know, my, my client, Maria, yeah. and the team want this. Yeah. So anyway, I did it and I yeah. sent them their dresses and then I get this um, courier mm. that comes in with a with a um, an invitation to go to this noble gift gala <gasps> and on it it says Eva Longoria and Maria Bravo <laughs> and Alina Peralta invite mm. you too and I'm like oh my god like Eva Longoria if ever anybody knew me f- before yeah. obviously a massive fan of Desperate Housewives yeah. but I'd always said in, in t- on television yeah. interviews that she was one of the only people who you could spin 360 and they'd be beautiful even from yeah. behind I know yeah. that's really bizarre yeah. but many people aren't we've yeah. all got you know Mariah Carey I yeah. love but we've all got different sides that yeah. we like yeah. you and I you do just... <laughs> you just said it uh, Beverly's fine she's got her, her sides of 360 like uh, Eva but Eva's one of those people that yeah. literally just has it Yeah, and you know now knowing her her aura is yeah. 362 it's yeah. fabulous and so I had this invitation I knocked on the door to my neighbour I was like oh my god this is crazy <laughs> and she's like is there a plus one I'm like yes we're going to the ball and we literally were like Cinderella and within about 20 minutes we had scrubbed shaved everything yeah. everything was ready and we went to this ball and that's where we met uh, Maria and, and how Alina. many years ago is this? This is, wow, this is around about 12, 13 years ago. Wow. So it's a long time. Yeah. And we have, we fell in love immediately. All yeah. of us did. Yeah. And it was one of those nights, you know, Rupert Everett was hosting it. Um, Mariah Carey was guest of honour. Who you're I, I'm obsessed, obsessed with. And you, did you know she was going to be No. <laughs> so like, this is literally, this is literally dream. the dream. And I will always say that, Holly, that every day, everything I do, I'm always grateful, but also I'm like the biggest fangirl of everything. So I li- I can be in any situation and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. And that's when the imposter syndrome kicks in because you're like, how the hell have a guy from Edinburgh found himself in the Dorchester next to Mariah Carey <laughs> saying, I love you. Like, you know what I mean? It's like crazy. And that, I sit there with Eva sometimes, you know, in, you know, been to her house many times in yeah. Hollywood and going, how are we in a swimming pool with a, with their dogs having tacos and laughing and drinking tequila. They, yeah. This is this is how. How did this happen? But you just you know you just enjoy it and yeah. and and, it, and that's how it should be. But so we met, yeah. uh, fell in love, and I said to Maria like this is amazing. Yeah, but we can do so much more, and it really just gave me this impetus to really um, work with them. Yeah, and I have for the last twelve yeah. years, and I love working with them. Maria is one of the most passionate people I've ever met in yeah. my life. Eva and her are generous, they're kind. You know, for people out there organising charity events, you do have to slightly curate your guest list mm. in terms of you do need people there that are going to support because that's what you're doing it for. So what, what's your advice to somebody thinking of putting on their own charity event? I think the, the, I think the main thing is that you can lev- you leverage... I mean, with, with the Global Gift Gala, what yeah. we do is we leverage, obviously, Eva and the people, the guests who are attending. Mm-hmm. So where we've got some really great A-list guests, yeah. we know that that will leverage any brand, that will leverage any florist, any venue. so we try and get as much as possible for free or as much as possible at a really great cost Um, you know people like Jeff Leatham obviously the most amazing florist in the world he is the artist in residence at the Georges Tank whether you're he's done the Kardashians does the Kardashians Eva is on all her weddings Um, he's absolutely fantastic and he's a you know he's brilliant Um, and 
he is you know it's it's about leveraging those relationships yeah. also you know it's about going to a local florist yeah. and saying to them you know can you help because yeah. they do they they probably can and from their CSR if they're seen to be putting on the fl- flowers at a gorgeous event yeah. and people are taking pictures it's great for them yeah. so it's about sort of le- leveraging but never never taking the piss yeah. as I say so giving them a package whether that is branding on the step and repeat yeah. whether that's a really lovely program advert, advert whether that's a verbal mention on the stage whether that's a couple of tickets themselves either yeah. to the actual event or the after party so it's just about that and really as you say creating a guest list of people who are going to spend money yeah. who are going to um put their hand up sometimes it's also interesting you know you've got to leverage the the difference between people buying a ticket is it worth them buying a ticket or actually saying no you don't need to buy a ticket but you, you can put your hand up because they'll yeah. raise more money that yeah. way so you've got to understand this whole process yeah. of that you know the global gift gala is a very intimate event it's around about 150 yeah. people so it's yeah. very intimate and that's why it's so great because everybody who goes feels that they're actually part of an intimate party and gathering yeah. to do some good so that's why i love it you know and but we i've done big events in manchester you know where yeah. we've had 700 people yeah which is a little bit different yeah Ticket prices are lower, but you've yes. got more people there, so you can make just as much money. It's a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. And you need to think about who is right for different areas yeah. and whether actually is it a bit offensive to ask them to pay mm. when I know that their value they're bringing by attending yeah. could actually be worth yeah. more than the financial gain that you could have. Yeah. I think it's also really important to, you know, listen, the weird thing is I've always been very good at asking for money for other people, but actually sometimes not for myself for yeah. my charity events. But what I've realised is you just ask, you know, we've had Bayliss and Harding, which is a wonderful brand oh, yeah. who sponsor all my yeah. stroke work. And I do a big event now with Alexandra Burke, which is fabulous. Yeah. You need to come to it next yeah. oh, year. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's called the Spring Ball and it's absolutely yeah. wonderful. You know, and, and they they basically subsidise the whole thing. Yeah. So that means that when we start the event on, we, we actually, all the money we raise on the night goes to the charity. Yeah. And the same is with the business model of the Global Gift Foundation yeah. too. So the money that they make on the evening will go directly to the charities that we're benefiting. Yeah. So it means that in-kind sponsorship, ticket sales and other stuff, that will be all that yeah. pays for the event and the rest of it becomes what you can leverage for the actual charity. This is why you're so good at what you do because um, I feel like I could pick your brains but I will (laughs) not take up the podcast with that. So um, just, this all sounds so glamorous, which it is, and you've got all these amazing celebrity friends um, but, you know, it didn't come easy to you. I'm a big believer and one of our sayings is you make the most of the cards you're dealt. You um, actually found out you were adopted when you were 14. I know you want to probably only share a little bit Uh that but I think it's interesting for people people think you know might think oh well he must have come from like a rich background he must have been connected but like not at all you started from scratch I started from scratch and I really I wouldn't say it was hustling because I've never really been a hustler I just I literally had to survive yeah and I had to do what felt naturally uh easy to do but also I've had to be out of my comfort zone on many occasions and I still think now you know no matter what you know riding a storm of a um, of COVID, of a pandemic, yeah. you know, we've been in the events industry. Every mm. single thing that you and I were working on went. Yeah. And having to build that back up, having the confidence to do so, do you want to do it? Do you want to run your own business again? There yeah. are so many things. And I, you know, if you asked me, would I run my own business again? Yeah. I would have to question that yeah. because it's one of the most difficult but also rewarding things. It's soul destroying and you don't have a, um, a safety net. Yeah. You, you, it, the buck stops with you and it's constantly about you and that has to is a very difficult thing 
to carry on. And and I think from a personality point of view, it it, it takes a really strong person to deal with that. And I've, you know, I've had early bereavement with my mum. Yeah. You know, I've always been very, very, I've been kind of very, you know, I came out very late. I was engaged yeah. to get married. Did lots really? Of, yeah, yeah. What age uh, she, did you come out? I came out when I was 23. Wow. So, you know, that's very yeah. late. And it, it took me a long time to, yeah. to you know, to, to get, do, do that. You know, again, like I'm saying about in those days, now I think it's amazing to see things on television that are so wonderful that really encourage people to actually talk about yeah. their sexuality. Yeah. And kids can say to their mum, I think I could be bi, I think yeah. I'm trans. Like, yeah. you know, and there's not so much of an issue there. Like Heartbreaker, which is on yes. Netflix, is one of yeah. the best things. I wish I'd had that yeah. in my day. But, you know, I think it's 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 all about being as you say courageous and being really strong in in your convictions and also having a thick skin and you have imposter syndrome as you've mentioned but actually like that's another term that can be banded about do you want to tell us how that affects you and your anxiety because i'm sure there's a lot of people that relate out there well i think imposter syndrome is about is about social anxiety syndrome and the idea is that basically you feel constantly that you shouldn't be in the position that you're in and that doesn't matter whether it's a position of authority or 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 prominence it's in literally every situation that anybody could be in whether you know i i i find it extremely hard like today meeting you holly to go and sit in that restaurant that takes me a lot of time oh yeah that takes me i would say an hour or so of negotiating with my brain that i should go and sit there on my own and order myself some food and it's it's a journey it starts when i know that i've got i I knew i was going to be early yeah anxiety kicks in then to think oh my god i've got to sit there and it's just something i've lived with and so you have that and then you sit with Eva Longoria at a dinner table and you go, why the hell am I here? You sit doing a lecture in front of 50 kids uh, talking about charity. You go and you'd go on to Project Catwalk and you're critiquing people's designs, which are actually life-changing for them. And you're like, why am I here? Why should should I be there? And then you have this devil angel going, you don't deserve to be here. You shouldn't be here. And then you have somebody on the other side going, yeah, but you should be. And you're fighting constantly and it's been a battle which I've had for forever really so um the other thing that we talked about was um when we we chatted before the podcast was um you coming out and diversity inclusion how things are so much more open now and that the conversations are out there and, and people are being encouraged to be who they want to be but we were also talking about certain age group um you know it's difficult for them to navigate what do we say now what don't we say and I'll probably say the wrong thing now you know we did a charity event the other week for a company that um, is very much into diversity sustainability all the good things that we want to be and we were writing the script and we were saying do we say ladies and gentlemen anymore I'm really not sure and that's not me being ignorant in any way it's just what are we supposed to to, to say now and you, you said that there is a good point because you're so pleased that people are finding it easier to come out or or identify in the way that they want to but then there is a challenge in educating an older generation maybe you could talk about that I think there's, I think it's a challenge in educating both generations to right. be honest yeah because a younger generation shouldn't think that they have the the, the say of everything yeah. and they shouldn't call people out and I think you know what we found recently is people do get called out in a pretty dramatic way yeah. for for words and for phrases that they might have been brought up with so I think there's a huge 
uh, edge really of peace to do where the where the two sides need to come together yeah. and understand mutually that there are always going to be things where either you misgender somebody or you yeah. talk about somebody's skin color or yeah. their race in a, in what they might think is an okay thing to do but obviously is derogatory yeah. to to other people so i think it's really important to to not look at stereotypes yeah. and to just be open to stuff and to, you know, when you are writing a script, to write the script as you would write it. Yeah. But caveat that, say, this is how we we written our script. Yeah. Please change it in yeah. any way to how you feel mm-hmm. it would be, you'd be more comfortable if you wish. Yeah. Give them that opportunity to open it up to them to decide how they want to do it. They might be like, actually, yes, ladies and gentlemen, that's how I want it yeah. to be. They might be like, actually, no, it should be hello, everybody. Yeah. Great to see you all. Yeah. But, you know, we all as adults are learning every single day. Yeah. You know, I look at it this way. It's like if you are given a recipe, we don't, it might be a shepherd's pie yeah. and we think we know what's in it. Yeah. We don't because it might have a different additive or yeah. it might have a different spice in there. Yeah. So we are being educated that that's a really good spice. It tastes really fabulous. Yeah. It's the same thing with words and pronouns and attitudes. We can't all know everything that everybody's thinking yeah. or what their ingredients are. So tell us. Yeah. And then we will, you yeah. know, we will hopefully work together on making everything positive for everybody yeah. moving forward. I think that, do you know, it's so interesting because I was thinking on the side of we need to educate the older generation. Like sometimes I have to say to my mum and dad, well, no, you can't say that. And it's not that they've been mean or horrible. They just, I just don't, you know, they're 70 odd years old and been brought up in a certain way. But you're quite right as well in that there has to be some sympathy to the older generation that, like, we, you know, we're completely re-educating them on what, what's yeah. the norm and not. And also what what's, you know, the younger generation, that's their norm. It's not, yeah. it, you know, that's, they call, the, you know, that's their truth. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, their yeah. Normal, normality, yeah. but it might not necessarily be the real truth and the mm. real normality to stuff and you know I spent a long time of my career you know being never I was never a bitch but I also was pretty critical especially with clothing yeah, yeah. you know I was on Project Cowell I was, today. I was called the Simon Cow- <laughs> I was called the Simon Cowell of style you know and Simon Cowell now will probably be cancelled in many ways yeah. for what he said to some singers yeah and in the same way you know th- things that I may have said on a television show or written I used to do a thing for MSN called Hits and Misses yeah and it was like a fashion police it was absolutely brilliant it was funny it was people who were on the red carpet who did look atrocious yeah but I had to make a, a conscious decision probably four years ago to say to them, I can't do this anymore yeah. because I'm getting cancelled or yeah. people are saying things to me that is, I, I'm not saying this in any way uh, 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 nastily. I'm just going, this is what I see yeah. and this is why I don't think it's good. Yeah. But you just can't do that now. So I think there has to be a form of education. We've all got to have opinions. Yeah. It's a real shame if we all become a sort of group of people who literally can't have yeah. an opinion because there is right and wrong. There is truth and there is untruth. Yeah. There is looking great and not looking great. And then there is, a, is a, to your point, of there is a great event and a bad event. Yeah. You can't be just going, oh, well, you, you yeah. can't justify everything. Yeah. Do you, is there much education happening in schools, do you know, around this? Like, I, I don't know. But... I don't know. I think, I think there's some brilliant things like uh, the, the Diana Award, which yeah. has got their anti-bullying. And what they do is they take the bully yeah. at school and they get they educate that bully to become basically a mentor. Right. So the mentee becomes the mentor. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. yeah. And basically they then can educate other bullies yeah. in other ways of utilising their anger yeah. or their their 
you know, whatever prejudice etc yeah. into a positive way yeah so i think that is a really strong way of educating mm. people but i do think opinion is a good thing to have yeah. and i think you know it, it's a shame if we become don't know wipe it out do we yeah we can't yeah, yeah it'd be a shame yeah i'm not gonna remember how you said it but you said something amazing when we when we caught up before the podcast about this thing of like being able to reinvent yourself or try something new i think you know i think the main thing is that you can literally start from scratch anytime you literally you you can't stop and yeah. i love looking at people like arlene phillips is a great friend of yes. mine you know she's nearly 80 she's still choreographing she's still judging is she really nearly yeah. 80 and she's just wow. absolutely fantastic you've got iris apfel who you probably know is this amazing American oh, fashionista with the big glasses. My best friend has done a collaboration with her with Ciate, the nail oh, brand, wow. the makeup brand. And, you know, she's 101 and she hasn't stopped. And I look at all these people like that, that don't stop and they have so much energy. Mm. They have so much... Uh, they're so in touch with what's going on yeah. in the world. And I find that so exciting. So I don't think I'll ever retire. Listen, you say that you sit there, you know, with all these celebrities and think, why am I here? And do like genuinely, when you reached out to me and said, you know, could it be on the podcast? I'm like, uh, why would you want to? Like, honestly, oh, see the no, way around, isn't it? Because I thought it? you did. You know what I did? I, I saw what you do and you're very, you're very passionate about what you do. Yeah. And I think that's inspired me. Oh. And I thought, you know, that... It's it's great to see people who want to come out of their comfort zone, yes. like you have, yes. and do something which you know is both empowering for you, yeah. but also educative yeah. for other people. Yeah. And I think that that's a really fun one. So we love to end this podcast with one question. The podcast is called Anything Is Possible. What does Anything Is Possible mean to you? I think oh my, that's a hard one because I'm as you know I, I think anything is possible. I really yeah. do. I think it's just having courage in your convictions. Never, never not being able to say ask for help. Yeah. Because I think you know anything is possible. But you know if you need some help with it, yeah. You know ask for it yeah. because people are generally pretty generous and they'll yeah. say yes, I will help you. You're going to regret saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think it's also just being open-minded to all the different things that come into your life and then deciding whether to say yes or no to them you don't have to say yes to everything you don't have to say no to everything but just enjoy what comes in and and i don't believe in manifestation i'm not that kind of person but you know when when you are open to things they do come to you yeah um you are absolute joy to spend time with um so many amazing stories um and such you've got like a glow that's coming out of you so um listen anyone that's not following nick you must follow him on instagram what's your instagram handle? it's nicked n-i-c-k-e-d-e and yeah whatever and if you've got any questions please yeah. dm me anything yeah. you need like literally i better not say that but anything <laughs> you need you can always ask and anything. i do love that people do ask yeah. me loads of questions and i have people who want to do something for charity and they need some help and i've always will ask or yeah. see what it can do and even if it's resharing somebody's instagram yeah. or a, a or a um what to call it a just giving etc yeah. it does it's 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 it, it pretty easy to say yes yeah well listen thank you so much to you and the lovely and beverly, beverly. Um, for spending time with us this afternoon I don't think this is the end of our chats and conversations oh, no. somehow I think Can't I think wait. we've got a nice relationship so thank you everybody for listening and um, don't forget the Anything Is Possible conference is on the 25th of March in Manchester 2023 and please subscribe and follow us so that you keep up to date with all the series and listen back to other episodes if you haven't heard them thank you
have you been wondering what Anything Is Possible Live 2024 is all about? It's a 12-hour personal development experience from 8am to 8pm. Beyond the amazing content that is going to help you achieve your dreams, we have got mega brands, delicious food and drink, unique activations and much more. This is the sign you have been waiting for. It is time to invest in yourself and be part of something amazing. I really hope to see you there. Link in the bio to buy your tickets.